Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. And you know, in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that. How to embed the intelligence, our intelligence, the intelligence of our operational system into the physical landscape of work through visual devices, through visual mini systems, through visual massive systems. How to install the language of our current level of operational excellence, our current understanding of that, even if we're not quite as excellent as we want to be, how do we install that as a language? How do we make that concrete and very specific? Well, we do that through visual devices, through mechanisms, apparatus, inventions, physical things that we can literally see and and touch and sometimes smell (laughs) and sometimes hear. And sometimes taste. Right? It's embedded. It's installed. We can see how we think. We can see how our concept of excellence is working. Because these mechanisms are physical, they always have a built-in feedback loop because they always behave. Physical things behave. One of the problems with thinking is you can't see it. And the only way we know that it's there is the mouth opens or the hand writes or the body expresses. We behave as a result through physical means. We see what we're thinking. We see our attitudes, our motivation by things that we do. But in the workplace, whether it's a hospital or it's a bank, factory, continuous process flow, utilities, food processing, the material life is usually restricted to making of things and not the system that holds the making of things. So in visuality, what we're creating is a system that holds the systems. We're putting the ground in place. And why do we bother? Well, (laughs) because we're going to make a lot more money. We're going to shrink costs. We're going to have better quality, improved safety, aligned delivery times. As a result, we are going to be able to move towards operational excellence. We are also going to have another big moneymaker, big happiness, splendid cultural alignment. Because this voice that we're giving to the workplace is the voice of many. It is my voice as an operator. It is your voice as a manager. It is your voice over there as a maintenance guy. It is your voice as the head of nursing and the executive and the GM who has to carry the whole burden. It's the voices of the many. It's what we call the ten doorways, and we talked about that in January. The enterprise is – and the third reason is to enjoy ourselves, to enjoy ourselves. And I was going to say – the enterprise becomes increasingly conscious, fluid and self-aware, dynamic. Now, how fun is that, right? To be in an enterprise that is awake, aware of itself, enjoying itself, 
These are built into us. Our our um, desire for improvement is actually a need. And if you remember the show that I talked about the pattern of work and how we have this compulsion to find patterns, that is our compulsion for continuous improvement. We have to keep finding the next level of pattern. So, you know, this is what the visual workplace does. I was just talking to a guy, an absolute expert across like 80 plants, a guy in South America, Kristen, who is black belt, super duper master, master, black belt, woo, wazoo, wazoo. Oh, no, what is that? Is that you say? Woza, woza, something like that. Woza, woza. Really, you know, really knows his stuff. And he said, you know what? I just discovered visuality. I didn't even realize that that was missing. And now that I am coming to understand it, I understand that I, there's a big piece missing from my Six Sigma uh, um, ability. I was very happy to hear that. So today we're going to continue our discussion on sustainment. This is our fourth show in that series, what it is, how to get it. And I think we'll either do one or two more from today. I'm not quite sure about today. I try to get the show to fit in my 46, 47 minutes. Um, and I want to cover that well because today we're going to be talking about customer-driven visuality. This is very, very important. And it's very concrete. It's very specific. And we'll go into detail in a moment. So we might have to do yet another show on this one. i, I got to get the feel for how I deliver what I uh, what I am intending for today, and if I think I need to go further, well, I will because I want to give you a kind of uh, enough for you to be able to do some things with this. So I'm I'm here to give you tools, but I'm also here to give you principles. I don't want you to get lost in the tools, forgetting the forest for the trees. I want to make sure that you get the structure that you get that when you structure in principles through devices and mechanisms and frameworks, you are actually structuring in the drive, the horizon. Sustaining means driving. We'll touch on that a little bit today, but a lot in our very last show, whether or not that's going to be next week or the week after that. But first, I have just a few announcements, and I want to clear something up from the last show on sustainment, the one that was the champion, the watch, and the map. First, I want to thank you very, very much for your emails. Many of them are telling us that what you like and that you like the shows on sustainment. It appears that they are adding to your understanding and that you are finding ways to operationalize the concept, that you are going beyond audits, which actually, as you know, I consider a dreadful tool. It has a use related to compliance, and it's a very narrow use. In that use, it's very important, but it is not a sustainment tool in my book. Even though some of you are clever enough to get sustainment out of it, and I want you to tell me how you've done it because I don't get it. <laughs> so uh, you've also told us that you want to hear more about leadership. Okay, I'm writing a book on it, so I'm going to have some more to say as soon as some of my thoughts uh, uh, kind of uh, congeal a bit. Several of you wrote in thanks for Clifton Dahl and the Bobcat Dosen uh, open coaching session, unrehearsed and unexpected. We ended up talking about how trainers must also be leaders. To train is to lead and to lead is to train. It was a powerful, it was a great show. I've spoken to Cliff since then and he's going a bit, bit further and I think we'll have him back. Um, and remember, the door is open if you want a coaching session. 
um, I don't want to tell you what I charge for it because you'll say, oh, Pooh, I'm not going to listen to that person. She's overpriced. She overvalues herself. But it can be very, very useful to get an outside coach. So please uh, let us know if you're interested. Send us an email. It's going to be easy, and it will be very dignified. So thank you for your letters, and get ready for some more great interviews in the next few months. We're going to be interviewing Rob Robert Miller, Dr. Robert Miller, who is the executive director of the Shingo Prize, that very important prize for excellence, and we'll be talking about that and um, also its interface with visuality. We'll be talking to Mark Graben on his splendid new book, co-written with Joe uh, Schwartz, Healthcare Kaizen, and with Maria Elena Stouffer on soulful leadership and her role at AME and other related issues. So we've got some great interviews, and we have a few more lined up as well. And I'm taking the summer off from public seminars. I think the next one I'm doing is in Boston in September, maybe, and then I'll do two in Melbourne, Australia in November. Next few months, I'm going to be focusing on two things. One is this book I'm writing, which is very important to me on visual leadership. And the second is supporting companies who have chosen our big screen webinars as a central mechanism for their visual conversion. I just want to say just something about it. Please consider these big screen webinars if you want the kind of training that I do, which is rich in example, rich in explanation, triggering thinking, creating a competency, and these are really so affordable. And if you have no budget, come to us and say, I have no budget. What can you do? We'll figure out something. My mission, our mission, is that the world becomes a workplace. The workplace becomes one that speaks because so much of the struggle and the suffering disappears. So please let us help you. We want to. We'll figure it out. And... I will say that if you send us an email, we will send before July – no, let me say it this way. If you send us an email asking, we will send you free of charge a passcode to the Basics of Visuality, which is our small screen computer size webinar that runs very close to what we do in our big screens. And that that goes for $100. You get three days to watch it, and we'll give it to you free. But you have to email us at radio at visualworkplace.com right away because the it will go until July the 30th. It will go about 20 days. Okay, so it's complimentary, and I think it will be very valuable. I think you'll learn a lot. I like it. I made it. I like it. So thanks for your letters. Keep in touch, and remember, this show will rebroadcast in 12 hours at 7 o'clock in New York in the morning. And you can get the podcast beginning, uh, I think, in, in about 24 hours on iTunes. So now let's me, let me move on to the point of clarification from our last sustained discussion, which was last week. We talked about going green, um, which and we talked about the use of the laminated map and that you want to move people from the level of yellow, which is border home address and, if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow, the visual wears in place, to green, which means visuality on the operator level is sustainable. And you need three things. One of them is the checklist. Remember, it's a substitute for an audit. It is created by area associates, a list of specific tasks. They're going to checklist themselves or audit themselves. It's fine. Audit themselves, but audit themselves for improvement. They want to see things get better, and they'll name that. That's administered by the visual patrol 
which is associates from the area doing it for themselves. You can trade places with other departments. That's fine. So the first thing is that you have a visual workplace checklist, one of the sustaining tools. The third to go to, the second to go to green is that the management champion walks around the area regularly and gives feedback. We suggest feedback in a concrete form. Remember we said watch cards or walk cards, two types of laminated cards, one to say thank you, usually in blue in our system, two for the management champion to express pure appreciation. I love it. Wowza, I love this stuff. And you give plenty of those as a champion. Leave them around like little yellow, uh, little blue Easter eggs. And then there's another card, a yellow card, which is written by the champion about areas for further improvement. And let's not mince words. The champion sees something he or she doesn't like and leaves a card to say so. Hey, you know what? I can't stand this leak. Or, you know what? This quality system is incoherent. There's no way I can understand it without a guided tour. Please make it better. It's such a good start start but please make it better so here's my point of clarification you give lots and lots of blue cards before you give many yellow the ratio we recommend is four to one so you give four blue cards i love it love it love it love it and one yellow and by the way would you consider this And you go very easy on your language to begin with you know why these are relationships you're building Building connectivity. You have to build the trust. You have to build the appetite for more. You have to make it safe first. So you're very appreciative, and then you do one yellow card. Maybe you wait two weeks before you give any yellow cards. People know they're coming. They feel like, you know, you get it, you get us. People don't mind change. They mind being changed. They don't mind change. They really don't. Ex- many of us are excited about it. But they don't want to have to change in order for the change to happen. They want to be themselves. They like themselves the way they are. Even the goofiest people I've met in my life, and I have met many, <laughs> they like themselves. So, you know, that's the trick. So that's the point I wanted to clarify because I realize when I listen to the show, and I I usually do, see where I flubbed up or where I did well, I didn't give you the ratio. So you go easy, easy on the yellows, and fluid flowing on the blues. I love you, wowza, and just a few, hey, have you thought of this? Or, you know, I'm really beginning to hate every time I come into this area of holding on to the furniture so I don't slide across the floor, something like that. So I gave you two of the of the uh, components for uh, going to green in my system anyway, checklist, management walk cards if you like. And the third is customer-driven visuality, today's topic. Customer-driven visuality is a powerful way to anchor and extend your visuality, operator's visuality, so that the habit of visual thinking becomes deeply embedded in everyday work and in everyday thinking. Now, it is especially there on the value add associate or 5S level. Doorway number one, if you follow my doorways. So that the thinking keeps going and growing. We're going into a break now, and I'll, I'll tell you when you come back. 
All right. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So I got my cue a little bit off uh the demand, uh, uh, my uh, wonderful technical person for today, uh, was trying to get my attention. I completely missed it. I get very tunneled vision when I'm talking to you. I get a little intense if you haven't noticed. So <laughs> I'll do better on the next break. I'll give me and you a better warning. So what we're doing now is we're talking about customer-driven visuality, and I'm presenting it as one of the three conditions or I would say three structures that need to be in place in order for a work area to qualify as we have reached the sustaining level. This visuality is feeding itself, feeding back on itself, is running itself. We have a built-in PDCA loop. We uh, are mining mining our um, surfacing, mining our um, our gaps and turning them into new visual solutions. We're refining ourselves. We're becoming conscious, becoming self-aware. The workplace is speaking to us. Wonderful. I mean, when you see this happening, there is just such a flow of um, 
it's harmo it's harmony it's harmony in motion so customer driven visuality is the higher dimension of 5s the way that i do 5s and i call it 5s on steroids i'm going to be redoing my big yellow book the one that i did in 1997 and i'm going to call it 5s on steroids because i want to give you the 5s piece in a single volume okay so in terms of 5s which is so important we have two levels the first level is in my approach is the visual wear or visual order border home address and if possible an id label for everything that casts a shadow what many people call labels and lines but i've always found labels and lines to be a very weak version of what is possible these are robust borders that function based on locating workplace items in the smartest place possible it's called smart placement nailed with glorious borders that function in different ways and help the production system or if you're in a hospital help that operational system and addresses 130 choices of addresses seven eight categories of addresses addresses that really function that's the first it's called the need to know what do i need to know that i don't know right now in order to do my work and for the operator level the hourly employee the line employee that first question is where where are my tools where are my materials where are my parts where's my work order where's my patient where are the meds where are the blankets where's my my supervisor where am i <laughs> What do I need to know? What do I need to know that I don't know right now in order to do my work? When that is put into place, so that my need to know is embedded and I no longer have these fundamental information deficits, I get a wonderful outcome. And that outcome that I get is called control of my corner of the world. Even if it's only my corner for 8 hours or even if I'm rotating every 2 hours, as the opera, the enterprise begins to shift to visuality everywhere we go is speaking to us and we can trade places all the time because every part of the workplace every physical part has a voice okay so that's need to know that's the first fundamental dimension what we're going to add to that now is the need to share and we do that for two main reasons the need to share is what do i know that other people need to know that i need to share so that they can do their work and the equivalent of i'm in control of my corner of the world for the first level is how may i help you it's the question how may i help you here we have people who have gone through the processes of getting control of the corner of the world and as a result have felt safe and in charge far more capable and confident of making in process decisions because the workplace is visual they have a margin that is growing inside of them they have room for something further they have room for leadership and self leadership the i in them begins to shine that's the i meaning the individual the person and the i is further strengthened when we shift from what do i need to know to what do i need to share the i becomes unified with the eyes around them and we often hear that expressed as how may i help you 
Sheila, I might have given you this example before, but it was my first example when I realized, oh my goodness, this is so important. She was an ace visual thinker. She is. Sheila Bowersmith at Denison Hydraulics, now Parker Denison in Marysville, Ohio. A mathematical genius, CNC operator, fantastic. Her husband worked in the same plant. I think they're still there. And she calls me one day and she says, Gwendolyn, I love visuality, but you know, I can't think of anything more to do. And I, I want to do more. And I, I, I just can't see where the more is. Well, I had been playing with this idea. And I said, you know what, Sheila? All I want you to do, see what happens, is listen to the questions you're asked and look for the motion of people who aren't you. The motion of your suppliers who come into the area, maybe your customers, could be an internal customer, could be an external. They're going to ask you questions. And every time you hear a question, all right, let the first question be free. But the second time you hear that question from the same person or any other person, create a visual device so you never have to answer that question again. And your customer or internal supplier, whoever it is, who isn't you, never has to ask it again. Do that. And one of the first things she did, she she called me. I get like two phone calls every decade from an operator. It's just like the greatest gift anybody can give me to call and actually ask me an operational question. Well, how would you handle this? Where do I go next? I love that. And and she said, oh, you know, no, actually, I went in to visit and I saw a device. And I said, what's this? And what? So I'll tell you the story first and then I'll tell you what she created. So she said, well, Karen, the new planner came by the other day and I saw her lurking about she looked like a thief she was bent over she was trying to shrink her size and i went over to her and i said karen can i help you what what's up and she said oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to disturb you i know how busy you are and poor little me i'm just a planner but i i'm trying to figure out what you're working on right now and so she'll of course told her politely and completely and but inside uh Sheila said, she went, bingo, bingo, bingo. That's a need to share. And what she did was just put some yellow tape on the side of her CNC machine, blue CNC, beautifully painted. Of course, she had already been through her 5S. And she welded a, cl- uh, a clip on it, and she simply put the order that she was working on in that little square. It was a little bit beyond 8.5 by 11. And it said, this is what I'm working on now. And Karen saw it when she came in, and Karen never had to bother her with that question again, and Sheila never answered it. That is what I mean. It is based on the need to share, and it allows the operator to continue to think and to continue to stay connected in in many ways in a much more complete way with his or her world. How may I help you? This is a way to capitalize on the thinking that you've created through operator-led visual wear so that it begins to pay off in a much more um, um, complete way for the enterprise. So we're sliding into a break now. Uh, please come back and we'll continue our discussion. I'm going to walk you through another little uh, a story of Margie Harara. I think we'll get to that today. And I, I think you'll get how powerful this idea is of um, 
turning the need to share into visual devices and populating greater language in your work area through the operator or through you. You can do the same thing. I've seen CEOs do this. Oh, boy. Very interesting need to share. All right. See you in a minute. This is Gwendolyn. I'll be here when you come back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Workplace today we are on part four of sustainment. We're talking about customer-driven visuality, and I just gave you uh, a little mini case study about what that means and what it meant for Sheila Bowersmith in Ohio, and she worked with Karen, the planner, and worked out a way to make it easier for Karen to do her work. And in doing that, that helped Sheila, of course, and it helped the enterprise. You know. It is my, I want to step back for a moment and talk to you about some of my observations about sustainment in the talking, doing community of operational excellence today. And you know, it's my observation that some companies say they want sustainment, but they settle for maintaining. They maintain, they seek to maintain a certain level rather than to sustain it. It's almost as though they miss the piece about what's the difference. And I want to say in many ways, maintaining is harder to keep up than proper sustainment. And here's why. 
there's no real juice in maintaining and maintaining a certain level. It kind of rubs us against the grain because we are, by nature, beings of continuous improvement. We have the kind of mind that always seeks the higher level. It is always looking for the higher pattern or to find the higher pattern or to put the higher pattern in place. Our mind is a pattern-seeking mechanism. If you accept that premise, and I certainly do, I've seen it in action so many times that trying to keep us maintained on a certain level is actually counter human in a sense if you look at the mar- even though you may not believe it today if you look at the march of history of human history we actually are moving forward even though right now we're at some nexus that is horrific but you know what if you lived in medieval times if you lived six, seven hundred years ago, you would notice the difference. Uh, so it is built into us. There is nothing new about maintaining a certain level. There's no juice in it. We are beings of spirit. That is what animates us. Spirit animates it, animates us. So we must feed our spirit. We feed the spirit of people by helping who work in an enterprise. And when we do, we feed the spirit of the enterprise, including the brick and mortar, to be whole, dynamic, fluid, surprising, engaging, lively, exciting, knowable, safe. Hmm? So when I look, what I look for in sustainment is how I know sustainment is working is, you know, one of the things that I call the weird factor. These weird visual devices keep coming up that are the result of a a dynamic process of seeing and thinking and inventing. Hmm? You'll only have a small percentage of these to begin with. You'll have 6% of the people, 10% of the people. That means one out of 10 people. If you have 40 people, you'll be lucky to find four who are highly engaged in this way. But they will break the paradigm. They will break the mold. They will break the myth of ordinariness, of repet- of this kind of standardization that takes the juice out of everything. That's what we want from customer-driven. We want to revitalize the thinking so the thinking will go further. Now, this is what I know about sustainment and how it works. You may know more. Please tell me about it. I want to know. I want to know so I can do things differently and better. This is what I've discovered. So if you accept the premise that a main, the main purpose of associate engagement in building a visual workplace is to build the habit of thinking, a continuous process of improving one's everyday work, then engagement itself becomes a part of one's everyday job description. And if you're a manager, then you have to ask yourself, how do I make that happen? Because we're not talking about motivating people here. We're talking about cultivating. We're not trying to uh, uh, make people do things. We're trying to ignite the resource that is already there. How does the executive and ma- the executives and managers of an enterprise operationalize sustainment? 
how do they themselves become creative about the sustainment outcome? And if you've listened to even only some of my shows, you will know that I don't consider audit a viable tool. It's a compliance tool, even though that is what many, 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 many companies are using as their, as their, not only as their sustainment mechanism, so to speak, but as their sole sustainment mechanism, sadly. For what? For achieving an alive and valuable condition in the workplace. It's, it's sad, but it's correctable. Just experiment. So you can experiment with customer-driven visual order. When we begin, when we began with sustainment, I began by presenting nine sustaining tools that focus, you know, the checklist that I was talking about, code of conduct, the um, role of the management champion, the role of the coordinator, the role of the steering team. I'm going to spend a whole show on the steering team one of these times. But at any rate, these are tools that help, that are designed to help us focus and monitor and inspire and be motivated and to motivate, whether we're associates or managers. We want to keep the gains that we worked so hard to win. In order to do so, we have to put structure in place. So, you know, this is a repeat from an earlier show. So much of the discussion nowadays is it's about people. It's all about people. It's not about tools. But that's not a balanced view. It's not an operational view. It kind of assumes that people can hold on to and build on their successes simply by wanting to because they want to. That's not true. People are a glory, and so is structure. Tools without people are sterile, dead, and a big push, like the audits. No life of their own and no authentic owners. But people without tools, without the structure of mechanisms that can hold concepts and principles and practices, is simply tribal knowledge and tribal activity. It is not predictable, accountable, reliable, robust uh, I should say reliable performance that will lead to improved, even robust performance. We need both. Nothing new in that. Creating that balance point in your enterprise represents the mastery of your enterprise. It's like a caduceus. It's got these two strains that weave up the pole. They work together. They braid together. And they create great strength. So customer-driven visuality is the decision that management makes to take visuality 5S further and allow the operator the opportunity to continue the process of thinking and improving, this time based on the need to share because people are ready. They're full of pride and independence because they have this visual wear that's given them such strength. And now we cultivate that strength and we transform it into self-leadership how may i help you the shift is from what do i need to know to what do i need to share from i'm in control of my corner of the world to how may i help you employees learn to become service-minded you bring out these higher dimensions of people and believe me when you help people grow like that they are so grateful we want to grow we just sometimes don't know how it's a great role for leaders to, to take on that how. 
Another way that I like to say it is we come to work to be heroes and the role of management is to make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. Visual thinkers want to help. They want to be helpful. They are drawn to the needs of their coworkers, their suppliers, their customers inside and outside the facility. They notice struggle. They want the struggle to be diminished. Okay. And what happens in a, a kind of mechanistic way is that we shift from that single where question. We have six core questions, and the first one is where. We make the where visual. So the first level of 5S to the other five core questions, what, when, who, how many, and how. We begin, the workplace becomes populated with the visual answers to these questions. And you know what we have? We have customer-driven visuality because many of those questions are asked. When will this part be ready that you're working on? That was Karen's question. What are you working on and when will it be ready? Who does this job? How many are you making? Hey, I'm new here. How do I make it? What are you doing? When will it be done? What tool do I use? Okay. And you hear again and again from operators, why do I have to tell you what that is? I know I've been working here for 37 years. That's right. And it's very hard to get veteran employees to make what they know deeply as mastery, make it visual. The only way I've been able to do it is to shift the focus and say, would you make it for, would you do it for the person on the second shift? please, because he's not as good as you. <laughs> Customer-driven visuality. Okay. So I want to give you another case example. We're going to be going into a break in a moment, and I'll get see if I can get started on the visual wizardry of Margie Herrera, who works at Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm going to describe to you one of her many splendid visual mini systems that she invented with the customer in mind because she noticed the customer's motion. Right? We're always looking for motion in all of its dreadful forms, whether or not it's searching, rummaging, counting, counting again, asking, asking again, interrupting to ask, being interrupted to answer, waiting for information, and all of its thousands of perverse forms <laughs> so we'll look at margie herrera i'll give you another example and um i have to think about whether or not i want to actually go through the kinds of exercises you could do to develop uh customer driven visuality that's kind of moving into real training not just conceptual stuff uh, i'll just figure out whether or not that's going to be helpful to you or whether or not i've pretty much put a pink bow on this with this uh, conversation. Thank you. I so enjoy talking to you. And by the way, this is an open show, so you can call at any time. Whatever we don't finish up today, we can do next week. So don't not ask a question because you think you're interrupting. You are the reason I'm doing this. And boy, wouldn't I be happy to hear from you. All right. See you in a minute. We're going into a break. Bye-bye. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace. We're on part four of our sustainment series. Today we're talking about customer-driven visuality. We've kind of been uh, illustrating and discussing it over the first uh, three parts of the show, and now in this final part we're going to go into an example by a great uh, visual thinker at Lockheed Martin, and uh, get our arms around what this looks like from the operator point of view and how it is such a powerful and useful extension of the 5S uh, paradigm. If you've used 5S to create thinking, this is the next thinking step. And what you want is you want a well-populated physical work environment and you have to ask yourself how we're going to get that through operators. Hmm? So I hope you're getting the technology of this. What I mean is I hope you're getting that this is something, uh, this is a process you can undertake. That makes me think that I should kind of just walk you through how you would set this up as a training mechanism. Because I want you to go further in your 5S. And it's just so important it's so important for the operators to be asked to contribute more greatly than they are now. You know, I'm always amazed at who I am when I'm asked to do more or to be more of who I am. And then I realize, wow, that's also true for operators, for everybody. It's also true for that CEO that I think is a bit of a jerk. He's a person, too. (laughs) Okay, let's go to Margie Herrera. Margie Herrera is a long time, decades and decades, employee 
at Lockheed Martin in um, Fort Worth, Texas. And she is a visual thinker of the first order. She's a really beautiful woman. She has a beautiful child. And she's just really, really a fine person. She's quiet. She's a material handler. She's in charge of stocking parts and material for something called the tube shop. It's tube fabrication and assembly. At El Amero at Lockheed, uh, when they were rolling their visual out, this is when they were challenging for the Joint Strike Fighter about a decade ago. Margie began to create powerful mini-systems. She created one to solve a challenge that her customers faced in using commodity parts. They're called PLSs, production line stock. And PLSs cover a wide range of components that vary from shop to shop. In one shop, PLS might refer to fittings and caps and covers. In another, it's nuts and bolts and screws. Many, many small parts that differ only in the minutest of attributes, thread depth, spring compression ratio, that sort of thing, okay? So PLS are stocked in small bins on a two-sided rolling cart, small blue bins, and Margie was responsible in the tube shop for keeping these stocked across several linked areas. When visuality came to Lockheed, each area laid down a foundation of borders and addresses, and working from that base, Margie turned to mini-systems, which she spoke about a few shows ago, to drill deeply into the details of her own approach to PLS. So the first thing she was she did was to address each side of the cart. So she called one side the working side, where, where her customers pull the parts, and the other side, the stocking side, where she would do her replenishment. And Margie would scan the barcode on each blue code, uh, on each blue bin for ordering. And when the bin ran out on the working side, the operator would walk around to the stocking side and swap the empty bin for a full one. This is classic two-bin Kanban. But Margie, who was a master at the first level, of visual order, of the visual wear. She had done her work, but she saw that things were not happening smoothly. There were times when she saw an operator standing with an empty bin in hand on the working side, then walk around to the stocking side to retrieve a full one and just stand still. She wanted to see the operator reach for the bin, but the operator didn't. The operator just stood there and stared at the stocking side, at the blue bins. And she's realized, well, it didn't take her long to see that the person was trying to figure out which bin was the replacement. Was it the bin directly behind the empty one? Or was it reading left to right, the way we do in the West, the bin on the opposite corner? Was it a mirror image or an opposite image? The barcode was so tiny, it held no answer. You know, who knows the difference between barcodes? Only Margie knew with her gun. So eventually they gave up and did nothing or looked for Margie instead so they could get the answer. Hey, Marge, which one do I take? They were either doubtful, not confident, or hesitant and not active. So Margie's customers were in motion, she realized, because of her, because there was a hole in her delivery system. There was an information deficit. This is such great insight. Margie got it. Even though she had done a good job and it was a far superior approach 
than the prior approach, it was not yet satisfactory. She knew she needed to share more information. She needed to help her customers do a better job. She needed to do a better job. So what did she need to do? And she she was going to have to stretch her thinking because she said, the address is there in the barcode. What can I do? And then in a flash, this brilliant woman understood the exact information deficit that had triggered the motion of her customers standing there stalled because they didn't know what to do. They didn't know which bin to choose. And she took a single step and eliminated that information deficit 100%. She added a single brilliant visual detail and the problem disappeared entirely. And for me, it was a breakthrough because... I never saw it before either. This is what I mean by, you know something, tell me, I want to learn. Instead of making the bin addresses more specific or the information on the barcode larger, she simply added numbers. One, two, three, four, five. In the visual language that we've been talking about, she added generic addresses. She made them less specific not more specific. And she put a number on the blue bin on the working side, number one, and a blue bin on the stocking side, number one. And all that her customer had to do was go around and change the ones, the one for the one. The one for the one. Happy customer, that's it. This is splendid detective work on motion, splendid visual thinking, Splendid customer-driven visuality. Splendid customer-driven visuality. Hmm? And this is what we're talking about. We've engaged, we've engaged Margie. We've kept her very in tune and in line with the process of thinking and contributing. And we've also helped the business process itself. Do you see how you can do that and take 5S further? It is a form of thinking. You do need to teach people about motion. They do need to recognize information deficits as captured most often by questions that are asked. But can you see how this will revitalize? You don't even call it sustainment. It's a higher level of competency. So I actually have a little bit more to say about this. Remember, we're trying to qualify for the area to become green so we can use the laminated map to show that we've reached some level of complete sustainable visuality. Hmm. Not sure what to do, but that's whether or not to wrap it up here. I'll make up my mind over the course of the week of how to handle next week's show. But I hope you get what customer-driven visuality is and why I call this a dynamic a dynamic sustainment tool. I've really enjoyed sharing this with you. I think I've done a pretty good job in, in, in attracting you to the possibility of going further with your 5S by going further with the thinking. The Japanese do not use 5S to develop thinking. It is just like brushing your teeth and washing your toes. You just do it. But we have an opportunity and we need this in our companies because, in fact, Many of our companies do not promote thinking. Ono said it. People don't go to Toyota to work. They come, they go to think. So thank you very much. I've had a wonderful time with you today. Please keep your emails, your letters coming. Please call in when you like. I really love sharing this with you and I wish you such success on your journey to 
visual excellence. You bet I do. This is Gwendolyn, and I am signing off. Hasta luego, (laughs) baby. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.